Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let me read to you verses 25 through 34. Follow along with me. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have great benefit for those that believe them and will practice them. Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen and amen. Amen. These are the words of our Lord and Master, the Sovereign King of Heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us briefly consider them and learn from them that we can trust our Heavenly Father to totally take care of us so that we can go to bed every night and not worry. So that we do not have to wonder what we're going to eat, drink, or wear. And so that you don't have to wonder about your job, business, life, or anything else. As long as you're making your reasonable service, the rest is put in his hands, and he will take care of you. Let's let's enjoy Matthew 6, 25 through 34, because it has great comfort for all of us. There are more mentions of our Heavenly Father caring and loving us in these verses than in any other passage of its same size in the whole Bible. Enjoy it. Rejoice in it, that the great God of heaven is our Father, and he will take care of us as we have sung already this morning. Now remember, in verses 19 through 21, he said, don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. That is, our activities should be with an eye to heaven, so that the things we are doing here is not to accumulate assets or praise in this earth, but assets and praise in heaven, by laying up a good foundation against the time to come. Verses 22 through 24 taught us, that we can't serve two masters. God will not accept hypocrisy. He will not accept duplicity, which means you're serving two different things. And so he says you cannot serve God and mammon. 
And that is why I say there is no such thing as a man setting his goal to be a successful Christian businessman. If God makes a Christian a successful businessman, that's one thing. But to set your affection on both goals, a successful businessman and a Christian, God will not accept it. He wants you putting him first. And if riches come, don't set your heart on them. Those are the lessons we've already had. So we come to verse 25, and it begins with the word, therefore. Therefore, because your heart ought to be in heaven and not on earth, therefore, because you cannot serve me and mammon at the same time, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Because you ought not to worry about the things on this sphere, down here in this world, this life, your house, your assets, your pleasures, your cares, because your cares ought to be in heaven, don't take any thought for the things of this life. Now let's look at those words. Take no thought. Take no thought for your life. Does a virtuous woman take thought for her life and for the lives of her children and provide for them so that before winter comes, they already have winter clothes ready to be worn? Does the Bible tell us that? It tells us that in Proverbs chapter 31, that a wise woman is always looking ahead to take care of her family. Does the book of Proverbs tell us that ants, in the day of plenty, called the summertime, are laying up in store for the winter, and we are supposed to follow the ants? The Bible does tell us that, doesn't it? Does the Bible say that it's a righteous thing to say, we will go into such and such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain, if the Lord will? So, these words, take no thought, cannot mean that we never think ahead, that we have no foresight, that we do not plan, we do not budget, and we do not save. The verses cannot mean that. The verses must mean, I will not make the emphasis my life. I will not worry about my life. I will not make clothes and food and pleasures and house and riches and vacations the great care of my life. I will not be anxious in my thoughts about anything about this world. That's what it means. Take no thought for your life means don't get anxious, don't worry, don't make it your priority, don't get preoccupied with this life, don't make those things the most important. Don't let your material needs consume your heart. That's what that verse means. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Those things are not important. Don't worry about them. He will take care of us as he's about to teach us. The no thought doesn't mean we don't plan. The no thought doesn't mean that we don't look out for the future and protect ourselves. The no thought means it's not our priority. It's not our emphasis. It's not where our affections are. We don't give all our time to it. We don't worry about it. We don't lose sleep over those things because he'll provide them. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Here's another little illustration. Now, he's just mentioned three things from your life, what you wear. You girls are probably more conscious of what you wear than the guys are and what we eat and drink. But look at what the Lord Jesus says. He asks a question. It's a good question. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? 
Now, he's already spoken of heaven. He's already spoken of God. He spoke of treasures in heaven, and he spoke of not being able to serve God and mammon at the same time. So when he says, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Isn't your life, aren't there things revolving around your life that are more important than what you eat? Isn't there eternal life that is much more important than this life? You're worried about what you put on your body? What's important is that your body's going to be raised incorruptible in the last day. Your eternal life is more important than life. The eternal aspects of your life are more important than what you eat. Your body, the key that you should be focusing on about your body is, am I the Lord's and will he raise this body from the dead in the last day? That's what you ought to be asking. The body is more than raiment. Who cares what you wear? It doesn't matter. You, you are trading, you are trading the resurrection of the dead to stand incorruptibly for God for some stupid piece of cloth on your decaying, ugly body. That's a horrible trade. God save us from it. Let us emphasize eternal life rather than this life. Let us emphasize the resurrection of the body, not the clothing of the body. Let's come to verse 26. Here's an illustration, and it's a logical argument. One of the ways of reasoning is to take something that is true of something lesser and then compare it to an analogy that has an honest and a consistent comparison of something that is greater. If the point stands on something that is smaller, it certainly stands on something that is larger. It's called arguing from the lesser to the greater. If the Lord Jesus Christ can establish a truth about a dumb bird, then it certainly applies to each one of you. That's what he's doing. Forgive me for all the words. I love seeing the Lord Jesus Christ by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit reasoning with men. You know, there's no greater textbook in the entire Bible. You want to study history? Here's history. They don't even know what happened 6,000 years ago. They don't even know where the world came from. We do. You want to study literature? This is the greatest piece of literature ever written. Don't you think that after reading Proverbs? Do you think that after reading Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon? You want to talk about rhetoric, the ability to persuade by speech? Go look at Jesus Christ when he preaches. And here we have an argument from the lesser to the greater. Here's how he reasons. Behold, take a look at the birds of the air. Yes, it says fowls. You haven't called a bird a fowl for a while, and so I translated it for you. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Have you ever seen a bird taking seed and laying it down in a nice little row? Have you seen that bird sitting around awaiting for harvest season and then going out there and harvesting that row of grain that he planted? And have you ever seen a bird with a barn in which he stores up for the future? Or does a bird live a rather carefree life? How many birds need tranquilizers to get to sleep at night? How many birds are on Valium? How many, do birds sleep well at night? It's amazing. They live a carefree life. They don't sow for tomorrow. They don't reap and store up in a barn for the next year. Yet, your heavenly Father feedeth them. I'm not a deist. 
whichever of our founding fathers were deists, I have nothing in common with them whatsoever. God did not create the earth and wind it up like an alarm clock and let it run. God is involved in the daily activities of every creature. Didn't we read that he opens his hand to every creature? I believe this verse with all of my heart. That every bird out there gets its food directly from God who arranges its flight pattern and causes its eyes to see the food that he's already prepared. You say that'd be too much. It would overload and blow the circuits in heaven. You don't know my God. That's right. Amen. He can do that while he sleeps. And he never sleeps. Don't ever think that. Every bird out there, when it flies, you know, see, I'm from Michigan. The state bird, it's been a long time, but I still can't get over the fact that the robin was the state bird. You know that robin would hop along just a few inches at a time, cock its head? I'm going to tell you who puts the worms down there. God does. Amen. God causes that bird to hop in the right direction, cock its head, hear that worm moving. Oh, I've never heard a worm moving underground. Have you? I've laid in the ground before, but I never hear worms moving down there. It cocks its head and then, boom, attacks the ground with its beak, pulls it up. Guess what's there? Right. Who arranged all that? Amen. The Lord did. Amen. Yet he feedeth them. Your heavenly Father feedeth them. That bird gets done eating, goes home, takes it easy, goes to bed the same time every night. You know that? And they get up the same time every morning. They don't lay there and have to sleep in the next morning because they couldn't. I couldn't get to sleep last night just worrying about if there were any worms for me tomorrow. I am not trying to be foolish. I do not like to preach that way. I want to preach in the words of all soberness. But the soberness is God cares for us. How do we know He cares for us? He cares for robins, and He says you're much more valuable to Him than a robin. Because isn't that what it says? Are ye not much better than they? You know what that's there for? That's a rhetorical question. Can you figure out the answer? Now, if you have a doubt in your heart this morning that you're not sure if you're better than a robin to the God of heaven, then we have other problems, and it's going to take another sermon to help you. But you're supposed to be able to answer that question. Every one of us are going to have fears. Is God going to provide for us? Birds don't care. They don't worry. They know He's going to provide for them. And we are of much more value to Him than birds. May the Lord bless His Word to your heart. You have a Heavenly Father. Every time you look out in the yard, don't think of a bird as a nuisance. Watch the thing. Where it flies, and whenever you see it eating, it's because God just fed it. You say, no, I fed it with a bird feeder. No, dummy. You are God's puppet. The only reason you got stuff out there in the bird feeder that the bird ate is because God put it in your heart and put the bird feeder at Walmart where you could put it in your yard for that bird. Don't ever get it out of order. Don't ever get it out of order. God arranged all those circumstances for his little birdie. And he's able to arrange a whole lot of circumstances for his big birdie. And that's us because we are his sons and his daughters. He can take care of you. If he can get you to take care of a little bird, do you think he can influence your boss to take care of you on the job? Is that precious? God is great. And he loves us. And tender mercies are over all his works. You say, well, I wish that woodpecker would be looking for food in someone else's Eve. <laughs> well, spray it. He'll go to some other Eve. But, you know, every, I want you to look at every bird, even the ones that are a nuisance to you. And think that God's feeding every one of them. Right. And the Lord Jesus Christ would right. say, 
God's feeding every one of them. They don't sow. They're never thinking ahead. They're never thinking ahead. They're never worrying about the future. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store. But your Heavenly Father feeds them. Can you do a better job for you? Did you get a job in due season? Did you get a job in due season? Did you get a job in due season? Was it contrary to the policies of that bank for that program? Were some strings pulled to get you fed, brother? Isn't it? I could go through this room and look at every one of you. It's so good. Amen. He forsook you, didn't he, brother? When you were wondering what was going to happen in your future. I remember. You remember. Did he feed you? (laughs) Too well, huh? Yeah. The Lord is good. Praise him with me and enjoy this passage. But do you know how we use this passage? Put your trust in him. And forget about tomorrow. That's all it means to us. To seek first the kingdom of God and all these things are going to be taken care of. Let's keep reading. Verse 27. Which of you, oh, the Lord is good, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, he's got the word thought in verse 27. I want you to look at it and see it there. And he used the word thought up in verse 25. So he's still running the same course of thought, of reasoning. Correct? Right. He said, take no thought for this life. Which means, don't be anxious, worried. Don't put your mind to it. Don't be obsessed with it. Don't be preoccupied with it. Now he's reasoning this way in 27. Which of you, by applying your preoccupation, obsession about something, worrying about it, can add a cubit to your stature? Which of you, by that thought process of worrying about something of consuming your mind with it, of not being able to sleep at night because you're thinking about it, how many of you can can do that and add a cubit to your stature? Oh, brother, if it could be done, I would have done it. I don't like being short. But I couldn't do it, and I have thought about it a whole lot. Not in a long time, but, well, a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean. I don't care. I couldn't be like that brother. That brother's too gracious and kind, towering over us. Listen, I'm bad enough at where I am. That's another subject for another time. Look at the Lord. He's asking you a question. By worrying, by stressing, by, by being preoccupied with the future, or being preoccupied with your height, does your body start to grow? Think about it this way. Is your body pretty much yours? It's not mine. Is your body yours? Well, if it's yours, it's not out there, it's not God's outward providence, it's something that's yours. Your head is attached to it. Your head, if it's going to be able to move anything, should be able to affect your body. If stressing over something and worrying about it and having lots of thoughts and being preoccupied and thinking, tall, tall, make me taller. You know, if if you're going to be able to affect anything with your thoughts, it should be your bodily height. That's what the Lord's reasoning here in verse 27. I've told you not to take thought for the things of your life. And he's reasoning through it. His first reason in verse 26 is the birds of the air don't, the fowls of the air don't take thought for the things of their life and they get everything they need. Verse 27 is by taking thought for your height, can you change it? No. 
Which of you? The answer is none of you. None of us can think, worry, stress, focus, or be consumed with our bodily height and change it at all. Verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? If you can't change your height, why would you worry about what you're going to wear? The Lord is just crushing all of our worrisome thoughts. If you can't change your height and that's you, how are you going to change whether there's going to be enough clothes for you which requires the providence of God in 10,000 different combinations to get clothes to you? He's telling you to trust in Him. Verse 28, why take ye thought for raiment? Why would you worry about if you're going to have enough clothes for next year? Consider the lilies of the field. See, the Lord wants us to look at that creation out there and think about it. Tomorrow's proverb is going to be about the coney. Why would I waste my time writing a page or two on the coney? Because an inspired prophet named Ager told me that there are four creatures, very small, but that are exceeding wise. Right. Did you know that the locusts, the ant, the spider, and the coney can teach us wisdom? Right. Well, I want to tell you that a plant can teach you wisdom. Go look at a beautiful flower because the Bible said consider it. Jesus said consider it. Stop and look at the incredible design and beauty and color of a weed, otherwise known as a flower. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. You have never walked through a patch of flowers and watched them at the sewing machine. They don't spin. They don't make material. They don't make cloth. They don't dye cloth. They don't sew cloth. And yet Jesus said, I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He picked the most, the richest man and the best looking man that's ever lived on this planet who had the most, the means to wear the best clothes. So he picked the best of us and said, Solomon on his best day, a good hair day, a good clothes day could not look like a lily. That God clothes. That even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, that it just lives a temporary life and then it's burned up, shall he not much more clothe you? Do you know the answer to that question? Shall he not more clothe you? Shall he not clothe you? If God clothes the lilies of the field, will he clothe you? Or will he clothe you more than he clothes the lilies of the field? Or will he do it much more? Amen. He wants you to grab the much more. We trust every word of our King James Bible, and we believe there's value in every single one of them. Amen. Much more, he will take care of your clothing needs. And I hope you're wise enough to know that this passage is not just about food, drink, and clothing. It's about cars, houses, and vacations. It's about children promotions, and retirement. It's all those things. The Lord, you say, well, now retirement's a little bit bigger than what I'm going to eat. Oh, you're kidding. Would you even say something like that? That retirement's bigger than what you're going to eat for lunch today? It's not to the Lord. It's not to the Lord at all. He'll take care of all those things. You say, well, getting a promotion, that's a huge... It doesn't come from the north and it doesn't come from the south. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. He raises up one and puts another down. Praise His great and glorious name. Put your trust in Him and go to sleep.
Not, not now, but at night. <laughs> at night, when it's time to sleep. He giveth his beloved sleep at night. I love this comparison, verses 28 through 30. God looks at a lily, and a lily is a beautiful flower. And he said, it's, it's just grass. And we use it to heat our ovens. It's nothing in the big scheme of things. That's why I called them dumb birds. You heard me. I do like birds, don't I? I just call them dumb because in comparison to us, they are just dumb birds. I wish they were dumb sometimes. Meaning they couldn't make so much noise, but they're not God, one of God's intelligent creatures like he's made us. Right. And look at this. He calls it, it's just grass. You put it in your oven, you burn it up. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's nothing. It's temporary. We use it for fuel. I clothe it. It doesn't, it doesn't spin. It doesn't sow. It doesn't die. It doesn't make material. But I get it clothed right beautifully. It looks better than Solomon on his best day. He says, shall he not much more clothe you? And then he adds this little thing that hurts. But let, us, let it not hurt anyone in this church. Right. O ye of little faith. What does that mean, O ye of little faith? Why would God say that about me being of little faith? Because you worry about tomorrow. Right. Forget it. Let's live for today, brethren. Let's love the Lord today. Love each other today. Put our trust in Him today. Yes, we got to get up and go to work on Tuesday after Memorial Day. Yes, we need to go to work and do our reasonable best, but we don't worry about a thing. We just do our reasonable best. Lord, it's in your hands. You're able to feed the birds. You're able to clothe the lilies. You can certainly take care of me, and you've promised you'll do a much better job of me than you do of them, and you do a wonderful job of them. You clothe them better than you did Solomon, and Solomon could clothe himself. I don't want to be of little faith, Lord. Please forgive me. I'm going to remember what the pastor taught me. On May 29th, the year 2005, when he said it is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep, I am going to go to sleep, the Lord will take care of me. Do you believe that? Are you of much more value than many birds? Yes. Amen. Let's trust him. You say, well, sometimes he pushes me, sometimes he takes me right to the edge of the pit. You must not be trusting him enough. Trust him so that you get the lesson ahead of time. You know, he can teach you the lesson by taking you to the edge of the pit to see if you'll still trust him when you can't see tomorrow's income. That's what he wants from all of us. You know, let's give it to him right now. Let's give it to him right now. Strip away everything from me, Lord, and I know that you'll still take care of me. Do you believe that? Oh, ye of little faith? Let's not be little in faith. Let's be great in faith. We have a brother in here that on Wednesday of this week goes to a doctor, and it's an important doctor's visit. I hope you have not forgotten. I am nothing, but I have not forgotten. I am not going to be of little faith, and I don't want him to be of little faith. God is able to take care of every one of us. God is able to take care of the bird, the fowls of the air. And the lilies of the field, the grass of the field, he can take care of that brother. We do not know the outcome of that doctor's visit. I like these words. I do not, I do not know what the future holds. But I know who holds the future. Amen. And that's all I need to know. I hope you believe that. All of you, O ye of little faith, 
When do we show God that we're of little faith? When we worry about tomorrow. When we worry about having two houses at the same time. When we worry about how will I ever be able to support a family when I'm barely making it with my wife and I working. When we worry about what's IBM going to do to me. When we worry about what if roadway gets bought and they close a terminal in Greenville. When we worry about what happens when my short-term contract with Jacobs runs out. When we worry about Ahold's going to outsource everything. It's going to leave me like a bird without a worm. No, it isn't. O ye of little faith. Government contracts could end for Lockheed and turn that company upside down. I do not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. He'll have something better. Do you trust him? All of you? Oh, ye of little faith, let's be great in faith in this church. Let's sing his praises instead of thinking and taking thoughts for the morrow. Let's do some thanking for all that he's done for us to this point. He's been great to all of us. Wonderful, marvelous in all his works. Glorious in his praise. All of his works are clothed in holiness. He's never forsaken us. He's always preserved us. He's blessed us abundantly. Therefore, verse 31, take no thought. He says it again. He says it three times. He says it in 25. He says it in 31. He says it in 34. Do you understand the law of emphasis in the Bible? If he says it three times in one passage, it's probably because it's hard for us to do that thing. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, he's just given his arguments as to why you should be able to do verse 31. He starts off in 25 as the sovereign Lord, your Lord and master, your loving friend and brother, telling you, take no thought for the morrow. Then he gives you the reasons why. Then he says in 31, I meant what I said, therefore take no thought for the morrow. Look at the reasons I just laid out that it's all worthless to worry about tomorrow. It's vain thinking. It's vain for you to rise up early, stay up late, eat the bread of sorrows. Then he gives a few more reasons. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Ooh, that's another reason why we should take no thought for the morrow. Do you know why? Because we take thought for the morrow. We line ourselves up with the worldly pagans of this earth. The word Gentiles there is not a racial distinction between the descendants of Israel and and all other men on earth. It's not a racial distinction. It's a religious distinction of faith. If you are worried about the things of this life, then you're acting like all the unbelievers in the world. That's what it's saying. And, you know, we're looking just like the world when we worry about things or stress over them or get our priorities out of line and are worried more about this life than our eternal life, worried more about clothing our body than being raised in our bodies at the resurrection. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. You've got them living on both sides of your house. All they worry about is how their house appears, their car, their job their retirement, their vacations, the schools their children go to. Oh, how precious. All of that is what they care about. And, you know, we get just like them when we start worrying about our jobs, our clothing, and and our health, and other things. We should put our trust in the Lord, or we're looking like unbelievers, O ye of little faith. 
Do you understand the point here? Let's be great of faith. The Gentiles have no faith, so they're always trying to provide for themselves by worrying about the future. We're to be great in faith, which is trusting the Lord for the future. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Then he says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. That's why he said, Don't take any thought for them, because your heavenly Father already knows. And that is incredible. Do you know what? He doesn't want you praying with vain repetitions. For what reason? Because he already knows. Quit telling You're kidding me. Quit telling him. He already knows. Don't use vain repetitions in your prayers. He already knows. You don't have to worry about these things because he already knows. Does he know that that little robin needs a worm? Did he know that ten years ago when that worm's great, 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 great grandmother and grandfather got together? Don't get me any deeper than that on worm reproduction because I just ran the length of my rope. But God took care of that a long time ago because he already knew there was going to be a robin that needed a worm. And he'll take care of you. For your heavenly Father... How many times do we have heavenly Father and our Father in heaven knoweth that ye have need of all these things? He knows. He knows all those things the Gentiles worry about. What do Gentiles worry about in America? Are my children going to be safe? Are you worried about having a baby? It's a little fearful because you can't see the future. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. She's got something to worry about. Her husband's got something to worry about. We all have things we could worry about if we're going to be of little faith. But you know what? God's going to take care of you. Amen. He always has. He always will. Right. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. That does not mean we never pray for things that are concerning us. But we do not take such thought for them that we're preoccupied, obsessed, or depressed over them. We put our trust in the Lord. We don't have to be informing Him all the time because He already knows. Praise His great and glorious name. Verse 33, but. What's a but there for? It's because the Gentiles seek after all these things. The the worldlings around us are all concerned about their jobs, their houses, their kids, their kids' education, their health, and all those things. The Gentiles seek after all those things, but that is not to be the pursuit of our lives, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Instead of letting those things come in and encroach upon our love of God and our worship of Christ and our love of the Scriptures, our study and reading of the Scriptures and our prayer, instead of letting those things choke out the Word of God, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. In opposition to all the unbelievers of the world, because the but is there to set it opposite of verse 32, where it said the Gentiles seek after all these things. You, You remember that word all. All these things. Remember it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I love it when the Lord tells me what the priorities of my life ought to be. Because I can get confused easily. But the Lord tells me, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I wasn't born in South Carolina. If I was told to pick my favorite state of the Union, it would have been in the bottom five. But I ended up in South Carolina. 
Because there was a time in my life where the kingdom of God called me to South Carolina rather than leaving me in Michigan. I sought it first, and I hardly ever say things like this to you. I am nothing. But I want to stress to everyone here, because a number of you have made the same decision of coming here to seek first the kingdom of God. And he has taken care of all your needs. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And how many of these things shall be added unto you? All these things. All these things. All these things. We have unmarried people in our church that want to be married. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and marriage will be added unto you. We have health concerns, family concerns, money concerns. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Lord God will take care of it. When you try to do it in your own strength, he will stand back, and you will find out that you are a failure in providing those things for yourself. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everyone hearing my voice here and everyone hearing my voice by tape or video, you make sure that you're seeking first the kingdom of God and not trying to protect your job, your friends, your family, your house, or anything else. Because if you do that, then you are seeking to save your life and you're going to lose it. If you will lose your life for Christ Jesus' sake, you will find it. And he will add all these things to you. Is, is the kingdom of God, his churches in this earth, the preaching of his gospel, the fellowship of his saints, his righteousness being clothed in the legal righteousness of Christ and living the practical righteousness of the word of God, are those things the most important in all your decision making? Do you make your decisions based on the church comes first, the Lord comes first, His righteousness comes first? I have to make my decisions that are always promoting those things. If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He will take care of the other things. Trust Him. He takes care of birds and lilies. He can take care of you. And if you put your trust in Him and seek His kingdom first, He will surely take care of you. Right, man. But seek ye first... I love it when it tells me the order for my life and your life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is a basic, fundamental, important axiom and maxim of the Christian religion. That verse goes right along with Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. You should know this verse right along with it. This is an important verse. This is the most important verse of Matthew 6. This is the most important verse of today's lesson. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right. Is the verse true, brother? Did you have to move a ways to come to the kingdom of God? Did he take care of all those things? It's a wonderful story, isn't it? It's wonderful to me. Do all of you know who I'm talking to? I wrote you about him this week. Did you punch the air? You did, huh, sister? You're more violent than the rest. Did, did you get excited about reading about Brother Matthew this week? Yeah. 20 years, and the Lord's taking care of him. Look at him now. I just, I just bask in it. Bask in the glory of God and his greatness and taking care of his people. Look at that. Behold, I and the children which God has given me. Amen. You know what one sister said to me about you this week? 
Two bands, huh? Now he's got two bands, and it takes him a while to cross Jordan on the way back home. <laughs> Sister said that to me. I love sisters like that. I love being a member of this church where people rejoice in the greatness and kindness and favor of God and the reward that He gives those that diligently seek Him. The Lord is so good. There's a verse for you. Lay hold of that verse. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your heart. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about the future. Invest in the present. Seek the Lord. He'll take care of the rest. Verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the third time, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us something that is hard for us to do. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to have its own set of circumstances and the Lord will see you through that day. Now, tomorrow really doesn't take care of itself by itself. Tomorrow is going to be taken care of by the Lord. I hope you all understand that. Tomorrow, the Lord will be there tomorrow just as he is here today. And he's going to be there the next day after tomorrow just like he's there tomorrow. That's what it means in the first part of the verse. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Don't worry. Don't get preoccupied. Don't sell your soul to provide for yourself for tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There is enough difficulty today keeping our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ without doubling the effort by adding tomorrow's worries to it. That's what that last sentence means. There's enough warfare against your soul today not to worry about tomorrow. We're only going to survive by the grace of God to, to keep to take no thought for today, let alone taking no thought for the morrow. And so we end the chapter in the way of explaining that text. Let me briefly show you a couple of things that the Lord wants us to realize from this. Can you not ask yourself the question, is not life more than houses, cars, promotions, income, assets, vacations, and so forth? Jesus said, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He would say to you today, is not your life more than houses and all these other things? We must say, God takes fantastic care of birds and weeds. He certainly is going to take great care of me. You worried about the future? You better not be after today. Oh, ye of little faith. Let's have great faith. Amen. You don't know your future, do you? I wonder who it'll be. I wonder how many you'll have. You don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And you know who holds the future? Our Heavenly Father that takes care of birds and plants. He'll take care of you and me, because I don't know the future either. Did some of you work with a 55-year-old man that dropped of a stroke this past week that was in the best of health? 63? Was he, in, was he in excellent health? Did he work out a lot? Drop dead? All of you IBM employees know who I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. You don't know what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. And we're going to put our trust in the Lord and keep it there. We must despise any comparison to the Gentiles. We don't ever want to look like a Gentile. Right. Gentiles don't fear God, believe in God, or even know God. They have no hope in the world. We don't ever want to look like them. We look like them as soon as we start worrying about tomorrow. That's what Jesus taught us in this passage before us today. We must submit fully to the certain fact that our Heavenly Father already knows everything we need. Some of you have needs. 
I have needs. He knows. Lay them before him and don't be worried about them. He wants you to sleep on it. Tonight and again tomorrow night and the night after that. He'll take care of the rest. The Lord Jesus Christ would teach the same thing that Peter taught in 1 Peter 5, 7 when he said, Casting all your care is upon him, for he careth for you. Does this passage sound like your Heavenly Father cares for you? He cares for birds. He cares for plants. And he says, how much more do I care for you? I already know everything you need. I'm going to provide it. Just seek my kingdom first and my righteousness, and I'll add all of it to you. Solomon was wise, and at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, As we do not understand how the bones grow in the womb of a woman, neither do we understand how the providence of God works in providing all our needs. Go ahead and sow your seed. Be liberal in giving to all those in need. He's going to take care of you, just like that belly swells and the bones form correctly and a child comes out healthy. Jesus said, take heed how you hear the word of the gospel. Do not be the thorny ground and receive the word of God that I've given you today and let these three things grow up and choke out the word. The cares of this life, riches, and pleasures. The cares of this life, riches, and pleasures. In the proverb for yesterday, I mentioned that he that loves pleasure is going to be a poor man and the emphasis in Proverbs 21:17 is a poor man economically. But if you're a lover of pleasure in this life, you're also going to be a poor man spiritually. Right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add pleasures to you that cannot be bought in any amusement park nor found in any vacation resort. The Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I would have you to be without carefulness. He mentioned business, trading, marriage, and several other things. And he said the time is short. If you're going to attend upon the Lord undistracted, you've got to manage all those aspects of your life to seek the kingdom of God first. If you'll seek the kingdom of God first, he'll take care of all the other needs in your life. Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. They that will be rich fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Right. That sounds like a terrible end to a man's life. To chase something that he can't take with him, that the government taxes, that thieves steal, that rust corrupts, and he wastes his whole life chasing it. What a wasted, foolish, stupid life. God does not care one bit about what you made, didn't make, or how smart you were. He wants to know if you'll seek his kingdom first and his righteousness But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. What is godliness? Going to bed and going to sleep and not worrying about a thing because the Lord's going to take care of it all. That's godliness. What is contentment? I'm happy with what I've got. If the Lord wants to give me more, praise His great and glorious name. I don't deserve more. I'm happy with what I've got. Brethren, if you mind earthly things, if you worry about jobs, promotions, success, money, houses, cars, lands, vacations, pleasures, riches, what you eat, what you drink, and what you put on. The Apostle Paul would say that you are a belly worshiper and an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Let us not be his enemies. Let us be his friends. 
that he loves and takes care of. Let us not mind earthly things. Let us lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we want our hearts in heaven. May the Lord bless us to have our hearts in heaven, our faith in our loving Heavenly Father, and not worry, and not eat the bread of sorrows, but take the beloved sleep that he gives us. And one of these days we'll take the long sleep that the Bible describes. And as we just sang, even when we're in the dust, our Heavenly Father still cares. Praise his name. Yeah.